Welcome to The Caleb Show. This is a show about the Bible, about renewing, and about the mind, where every week we discuss how the Word of God is sufficient for day-to-day living, no matter what is happening in your life. You will be challenged to make the Bible an essential part of your thinking and living. Join us now as we investigate the world with the ancient truth of God's Word. Good morning, friends. If you're a human then you are in a position where there are forces working upon you to conform you into a certain mold. And this is exactly what the scripture says in Romans 12 verse 2. But we don't want to talk about that conforming power too much. We want to talk about how to break out of it. Because there's something trying to conform you into its image, but there's something else that's desiring you to be renewed by a transformation, or to be transformed by a renewing, if you read the verse. So let's have a look at it. It's Romans 12, verse 2. It says that, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So when we talk about God, I know some people have this idea that God's up there with a big stick, or that God causes... Um, and likes the idea of evil being around the earth, everyone dying, people in wars, children suffering, things like that. But we have a consistent message from the scriptures that God's nature and character is one of love. And here it is that he has a good and acceptable and perfect will. God's will is good and acceptable and perfect. And the only way that we can know it fully is by a renewing of the mind. We have to be transformed by a renewing of the mind. Now, this word transformed is marvelous. It's actually the word uh, to metamorphosize, which is where we have this idea of a caterpillar getting wrapped up in his cocoon and then popping out as a butterfly sometime later. It's a complete and total change from one thing to another thing. But there's a conforming that is being attempted upon us. Do not be conformed to this world. That idea of being conformed is like being systematized into something. You know, you think about Nazi Germany or you think about um, the ideas of um, um, Islam or or even the, the, the humanist ideas of socialism or hum, humanitarianism, um, not humanitarianism, but humanism. It's like conforming people into a certain mold and making them think a certain way. I guess I think of Nazi Germany because I I have this image of just rows and rows of soldiers all standing in line and listening to this one guy give this speech. And they all do the Hitler salute and, and they all stomp down the streets in the same manner they're all wearing the same uniform it's a conf- it's a conforming trying to conform people to a certain way of thinking things and so uh this conforming to the world though now if you're conformed to the world or the world's way of thinking it all boils down ultimately to self and what you as an individual want to do uh because you're basically selfish so it's all about me, it's all about my rights and my freedom and my uh, happiness, that kind of thing. It's not about uh, sacrificial self, sacrificial service, which is the basis of ultimate love, of sacrificial service. But let's talk about this transformation. We want to break away from self, from selfishness, 
from the things of human or man's interest or our own personal interest. We want to break away from that and look toward God. And so to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, there's a marvelous picture of this in Matthew chapter 17, because the same word transformed is used. <clears throat> but this is an issue of the mind. So the the it's about the way we think. It's about the way we view things around us. It's about how we make decisions. It's about how we process the world and the things that come at us. Are we processing it through our own limited, selfish way of thinking and what we think is good right now? Or are we processing it through what God says and how he views the world and what he sees as good and acceptable and perfect for all of eternity in effect. So the things that affect us for the rest of eternity. That's the difference. In our modern human way of looking at things, we tend to focus on the <clears throat> on the now and what feels right now. Whereas in God's way of thinking, it tends to it's more about what is good and perfect and acceptable for eternity. What will last? So Jesus talks about storing up your treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy it. This idea of pushing things toward the Lord so that they become eternal and have eternal value and worth, not the now, right? So Matthew 17 is the transfiguration of Jesus. And let me read a portion of it. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. So this word from Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. The word transformed is the same here as he was transfigured before them. Metamorphizo, metamorphu in Greek, something like that. Being transformed. In, in Jesus' case, he, it's almost like a little bit of his divinity poked out. So he uh, was God in the form of man, but he allowed a bit more of his actual divinity to peek out. And so he became radiantly white. His face shone like the sun. His, his clothes became as white as light. And there are passages in the scripture that say that God is light and there is no darkness in him. So that's sort of what's peeking out of Jesus right now. But he was transfigured. And when he was transfigured, uh, it happened on a mountain. It said that they went up to a high mountain by themselves. So whenever God wants to do something new, he often begins it or nearly always begins it on a mountain top. So think back through the whole of the Bible. When Noah landed his ark on Mount Ararat, it was a mountain. So the flood had destroyed all that was before, so it's a new beginning. So it happens on a mountaintop, Mount Ararat. When the, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they left behind the life that they had in Egypt, and they ended up on Mount Sinai, and God gave them this new law because it was a new beginning for them to go forward on. The temple was built on top of a mountain and was dedicated on top of the mountain. And so at Mount Sinai, they built the tabernacle. On Mount Moriah, <clears throat> or Mount Zion, they built the temple. And so this was a new beginning for Israel. We now have a temple here in Jerusalem that we can focus on because God is dwelling in this temple. 
And then, of course, here we have the Mount of Transfiguration. God, Jesus, God and Jesus are doing this new thing. They're showing this new way of life that they can move forward on. So what is this new way of life? They've already had the law given through Moses. And so that law was carried on through the people of Israel, and then the history of Israel as written in Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Kings, First and Second Samuel, and then the advent of the prophets who came back to, to always be pointing back to the law. That was really the primary message of all the prophets, was to point the people back to the law and to live according to the way God has instructed us in the law. Because if you live according to the way God has instructed you in the law, then you are reflecting the nature and character of God. So, because, think about the Ten Commandments. You shall not steal. Why? Well, because God doesn't steal things from people. So, not stealing is actually living in a positive light God. Do not uh, lie about things. So, why not? Because God is not a liar. He doesn't lie. He tells the truth. His word is truth. So when we speak truth and when we speak uh, that which is right and honest, then we are actually responding, we're reflecting who God is. And God looks at us and he says, oh, you're acting like me. You're speaking truth. You are not stealing from people. You are letting people have their property and their time and their resources. And you're, you're not stealing those away from them. So see, these things are reflections of who God is. And so it, it creates a transformation. It renews our mind. It gives us a new way of looking at things, a new way of seeing things, a new way of living things out. So this new beginning on the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, it had several attendants there. Okay, So we just read... <clears throat> that Jesus took James, Peter, and John up onto the mountain. So these four are walking up to the top of the mountain. Uh, that's interesting because it just occurred to me that in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace, and then Nebuchadnezzar says that he sees a fourth one that looks like the Son of God. So there you had four as well. I don't know if there's any sort of special meaning between the two passages. It just occurred to me. Three plus Jesus, four. So he was transfigured before them. And then in verse 3, it says, Behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. So Moses and Elijah, who are these two? Moses represents the law. So whenever they talk about the law in the Gospels, or whenever they say things like, it's written in the law of Moses, or Moses said... That's sort of an authoritative thing. Everybody knows that you're referring to the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That is the five books of Moses. So Moses represents the law, which we just talked about, that if you live according to the law, then you are reflecting God's nature, his, his way of wanting to live life. <clears throat> then the other guy there is Elijah. Now, Elijah is considered the first, really, of the prophets proper. Now, we know that Abraham was called a prophet, and there were things that Moses wrote that were uh, a prophetic nature in the law. But, but the first of the proper prophets, as in the era of the prophets, really, is Elijah. 
So even in uh, Jewish custom today, when they celebrate the Passover meal, they put a chair out. There's always an empty chair at the Passover table, and that chair is for Elijah because they're expecting his return. And if you carry on reading in Matthew 17, they, the disciples, when they come off of the mountain, ask about Elijah, and they ask about his return. So he's a very prominent figure in Jewish thought, especially in the first century, and even to this day because of the tradition of Passover. But Elijah represents the prophets. So you have Moses who represents the law, you have Elijah that represents the prophets, and in Jewish uh, speaking of those days, if you talk about the law and the prophets, you're referring to what we now today call the Old Testament. So there are places in the Gospels where it, it refers to the law and the prophets. So that to them, that's summing up the whole of God's revelation to man. So Jesus is there on the mountain. He is in the presence of Moses, who represents the law. He's in the presence of Elijah, who represents the prophets. And he's in the presence of Peter, James, and John. Now, Peter is uh, often referred to as sort of the chief of the 12 apostles, and then James and John are there with him. But these three ultimately then would represent, in this case, the New Testament, the New Covenant, because they are the ones who carry on now um, establishing the church of Jesus Christ in the book of Acts. And so Peter, James, and John are the New Testament, Moses is the law, and Elijah is the prophets. And so Jesus there, in the middle of it all, he is, as we talked about in a previous podcast, the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. That's John chapter 1, verse 1 and 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. And so here we have all these guys together. Jesus is being illuminated. He's being, uh, uh, he is this bright, this light just emanating from him. In the midst of all of it, what does it say in verse 5? While he was speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Hear him. Now, it says in verse 3 that Moses and Elijah were talking with Jesus. And so in Luke, when you read the passage in Luke, I think chapter 9, it says that they were talking about his death, or it says his departure, I think, in some translations. But it's referring to the way he's going to leave, which is through the cross. So the subject of conversation is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what Moses and Elijah were talking to Jesus about, and the disciples were there listening to this. So Paul, when it comes along and tells the Corinthians that he came to them wanting to know nothing or desiring to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. So you could say that really the subject matter of the whole of the gospel, the whole of the scriptures, the whole of God's revelation to man is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that was what was being discussed when Jesus was being transformed so how does this now apply then to what we read in Romans chapter 12, verse 2? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The voice comes down and says, hear him. 
This is my beloved Son, who in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. <clears throat> so this hearing hearkens back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So that is all, that's consistently in the Gospels mentioned as the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. But it's prefaced with hear. God wants us to hear him. And the hearing is focused on, our attention is focused on the word of God. And so Jesus is being transfigured. Now, the disciples were there with him, and they see this taking place, and so the the law and the prophets are there. It's all there. It's all wrapped up. So what do we got? We have today the reality that the scriptures, the law, the prophets, and the New Testament, by written by you know represented by Peter, James, and John, are the revelation of God to us, and these things are there to transform our life, so that we're not conformed to the world. It's there to renew our mind. So we look out <clears throat> at the world around us with a renewed mind, and that mind is renewed through the words of Scripture and our interaction with Jesus. So when we're praying to God to reveal His will to us, we do that by reading the Word of God. There is no other way. It has to happen through the Word of God in text, because the Word of God in text is a direct reflection. It is God's word to us from in person. So Jesus only ever lived to reflect, to fulfill the word of God. That is what he does. And he wants us to live and reflect the word of God. And the conversation that should be had regarding all this is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Take up your cross daily and follow me. So it's not about self, it's about him. What can I do to give up my right to myself, to use Oswald Chambers' term, to give up my right to myself to follow after Jesus and to reflect him on the earth. When that happens, our transformation will be in process. Our renewing will be in process. And, we, and it's a process. So you take baby steps. You start out by simply reading the scriptures, asking God to fulfill the scriptures to, in you, and through you, and then that will bring about this transformation, and it will happen over your whole life. But as you walk this way of essentially death to yourself, so we're not focused on ourselves; we're focused on him, we're, we're giving up our right to ourself, and then when that happens, God fills us back up. He fills us back up with his life, with the living water that he promised the lady at the well in John chapter 4. <clears throat> he fills us up with um, all, any number of, of promises and, and, and blessings that can come to us. But these things happen through giving up our right to ourself and walking according to uh, the ways that he has put down for us. That brings about transformation. And so it's a, it's a hard road to walk sometimes because we have to give up our right to ourself. We have to die to ourself. But when that happens, that life does come. And so when you read Romans 12, verse 2, remember Matthew 17 and the transfiguration. Those two go together. And, when the, and also you can read, I'll just throw this out because we're running out of time. You can also read 2 Corinthians 
3.18. Go to 2, or 2 Corinthians 3.18, if you prefer the American term. Uh, go to 2 Corinthians 3.18, and that also uses this word transform, being transformed. And this is a lifelong challenge that you can embark in, but it is so worth it when you go this way of life. So if you're enjoying these podcasts, please share them. Please write comments about them on iTunes and Spotify and all that kind of thing. Uh, feel free to email me at CalebTheElectrician at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And um, I hope that you are blessed and continue to read the word, continue to apply the word, and continue to share the word. In Jesus' name, amen.